Hi, Halima. Hi, Yoni. And hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni, and I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester and the author of the four Little Sick Girls. And I'm Halima, the community editor of Polyester Zine and the co-host of the Polyester Podcast. This is a very special bonus episode of The Sleepover Club, a feminist pop culture podcast we pull apart the hashtag discourse in the hope of making some sense of it all. Before we get started, please like, rate and review. It helps us so much. Do we have any reviews or do we want to read them out for this episode? We do, and I do. So, <laughs> five stars, always a vibe. I love the polyester podcast so much. I like how they talk about very relevant topics, but the length of the podcast is a nice bite-sized chunk so you can listen on the go. Always captivates my attention and I look forward to each episode. Keep up the great work, girls, from Kinky Job in Great Britain. Thank you. Yeah. I Interesting that they say they like that they're not very long. I had some people tell me they want it to be much longer. Who? Some of my friends said they want the podcast to be longer. Well, sound off in the comments. Tell us what you think. <laughs> um, so... If you did want more, then this is a special bonus episode, so that is great news. And we are talking about the film Pleasure. We have done a collaboration with Mibi UK about Pleasure, which is a feature film. We have lots of content on the website, including an interview with Sophia, who is the main character, and also an essay on the film's themes. Halima, would you like to tell me a bit about the film? It is... I feel like it's so hard to describe. It's uh, it's all about sex work, but it's also about how I feel like people think that sex, sex work is so outside of quote-unquote regular work, and it shows you that they're the exact same, that we're all suffering the exact same under capitalism. And I guess the truth about the sex industry or sex work or, you know, the porn industry, kind of in America. Yeah, and I think it shows kind of like how power corrupts in a way. <laughs> And like how there is no straightforward narrative when it comes to like labor and power. But it's also about like friendship as well. I feel like um, Ninja mentions that in the air interview with her at the end um, that, you know, some of the serious topics can kind of overcloud like the heart of the film, which is about friendship and how power can actually, how power and capitalism can really affect friendship as well. So we hosted a screening in London this week. Our Dollhouse Gold and Silver members were also invited. So if you get on our Dollhouse platform, you'll be invited to things like this in the future. And we were also joined by Ninja Thyberg, who is the director, which is what you're going to listen to now. I'm not on the interview. It is Halima in conversation with Misha MN, our contributing culture editor, and also Ninja. I would suggest that if you have not seen the film, to watch it before you listen to this we have a 30 day free trial of movies so you can watch it for free and see what you think of the film because it is quite spoilery so this is just my spoiler warning for you now and also because of the nature of the film we are discussing sensitive topics such as sex sexual assault and stuff like that okay here is the interview Oh, we're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for coming. How are you today? Uh, good. Um, I I have I've actually been uh, like doing a promotion tour uh, with this film for one and a half year, and Oof. this screening uh, and this uh, talk now is like the 
tomorrow is the last one in Italy, and so this is like the end of an era. So <laughs> mixed feelings. Well done. Wow. Oh my god, so you must have everything like answers for everything ready. You know about everything you could ever be asked about it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> challenge me. Okay, we're going to just jump straight in. But like, congratulations on this movie. It's really incredible. Uh, round of applause. You mentioned in a variety interview that you've always been interested in the subject of porn. Where did this start? Yeah, so it started when I was 16, and my boyfriend at the time, uh, who I just like a month earlier had lost my virginity to, or we lost it to each other, um, he showed me a porn film, and I became very upset uh, for two reasons. First of all, I realized like how very different like we were raised or the culture between like my friends and his friends, like I realized, okay, all the guys watch porn because like they exchange these like VHS cassettes because this was like year 2000. <laughs> uh, so like they all like shared the porn film, sometimes watched it together and it was this like norm amongst them. And me and my girlfriends, we didn't like even admit that we were masturbating. And we had uh, like my view on sex came from like, like yeah Hollywood romantic comedies or like maybe some girl magazine like very naive very romantic um very vanilla and the, this porn was definitely not vanilla like I was so shocked like I thought that porn would look like something like a underwear commercial but just without the underwear and then it was yeah something completely different and I also got very angry because I felt it was so Respectless, how do you say that? I was disrespectful uh, and um, degrading to the women because they were treated like sex dolls and just being there for the men. And it was all about like um, different like fantasies about pleasing the male ego and like the women, bo the, the like their bodies was just like different holes for the dick, basically. Um, so I became an anti-porn activist. I was already then like a engaged feminist and this made me like yeah I, I got so furious also the way he talked about it there was something with that I understood that he's obviously like turned on by this and he's consuming these like the content and the work of these women but then at the same time like the way he talked about them was like they must be so damaged like what's yeah like it's so sad that they're doing this and so he had this and I immediately felt I couldn't put it into words, but I felt that that was in a way also degrading towards me. Like there was something about like the view, like how he viewed women. Um, but then, yeah, so I was an anti-porn activist um, for a few years, and uh, then queer feminism came, entered, and um, I started to question. Like I kind of became. I, started to feel like I wanted like a positive representation of female sexuality and uh, that like it wasn't as black as black or white and also that like it wasn't necessarily like anything wrong with having sex on film or watching people have sex that was not the problem but the gender roles and the male gaze so yeah I started uh, actually started film school with ambition of doing feminist porn and um yeah, it's, an, it's been such a long journey. And then I studied gender studies at university. I wrote a thesis about porn. And um, um, yeah, I've been following the debate for so long. And I also, because I started after a while to question, like, because it was this movement in Sweden where we talked so much about feminist porn and that it was subversive and it was like, like, all the performers had, had agency. And 
uh, it was liberating, but then at the same time, we still thought of like the people doing the regular porn as them being oppressed, and uh, and then sometimes like I could like the content in the films were like basically the same, only different lighting. It was like a matter of aesthetics rather than, and I started to feel like there was also something with like looking down on people that had other uh, like. Yeah, that were considered trashy, like and saying that that was, but like worse gender roles. But yeah, so I started to question that as well, and it led into a short film uh, that I did that I wanted to like show like behind the scenes on a porn set and like who the real people were. And I was so curious about that culture and how do they view their job and what's the dynamic between the performers before shooting, after, like what's the culture. Uh, so I did like watched every documentary I could find and Googled and less, like read biographies. And I did this short film and I got really successful and I got a prize in Cannes and I went to Sundance and then I kept saying in interviews that I wanted to portray the real people behind the porn stereotypes, but I had actually ever never met anyone, yeah. never been on a real porn set, so I felt like a hypocrite, and um, I decided I have to do it the proper way. Yeah. So I made, yeah, I started working on the feature and went to LA the first time in 2014 and um, did research during five years, and it completely like turned my world upside down. I know that in the film, uh, the actors are a mixture of like kind of like classically trained actors, and the rest of them are like real porn actors, real porn people. Actually, there's no trained actors. Oh, in is this there film. not? Not at there's, all. Uh, Sofia Kappel, she she's a regular girl from Sweden, mm. but she's never. This is her first film as well. Yeah, she's she was just an amateur. She was a friend of a friend who came to the audition by coincidence, and uh, she she's never acted. She has no experience, no education, and everyone else in the film are real people from the adult industry. Wow, that's amazing. How was, how was it working with them? Were they, were they kind of open to wanting to work with you or were they kind of a bit trepidatious or what? I mean, when we started shooting, I had spent so much time there. So I was like, I had in a way become part of the community. Uh, so there were a lot of people who were engaged in the film and also working with like in the production. And yeah, and I had been like auditioning or like trying to I had built some of the characters already on people who existed and I they knew that they were in the script and I asked them if they wanted to play themselves so uh, it became like a thing where like I started to audition and actually most people who I asked wanted to come and try so yeah m most people were curious but there's also like it's easy to talk about the industry as like one industry or talk about porn as one thing it's like this network like it's can be everything and like there's all kinds of people doing porn and yeah so it's an extreme did most people choose to like play a, a version of themselves or did they want to like try a different porn stereotype than what they actually worked as um i mean it wasn't like i didn't just give like they didn't get to choose what because so i auditioned and, and like offered a part and of course some were like comfortable being close to themselves somewhere like I'm only going to do this if I get to do something someone very different and of course like that's very important to say that the really bad guys in the film are played by really good guys in real life uh, and especially like that's in the very time. abusive scene that was uh, people that I really trusted and that Sophia really trusted and that I, yeah so to create like a very safe space or environment but yeah, it was a uh, it was a mixture. So like Spiegler, of course, is himself. Aiden Starr is himself. Herself, uh, Axel Brown is himself. That was something I actually wanted to ask you about that scene specifically as well. 
so obviously in the film we see uh, an example of like a really good kind of like safe build up to a scene of like talking about safe words and you know how to you know connect with the person you're talking to and how to let them know when things are going wrong how was that then kind of then translated when you were then making it as a film like what how did you prepare like your your lead actress who you know doesn't have a huge amount of experience how did you prepare her for working in that kind of extreme way in, in the abusive way. scene, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was very... Like, we started working on developing the character and also developing the script together or changed the script based on her and, like, nine months before we started shooting. So, and she came to LA with me and I took her, like, to do research as well. Like, so she came and visited porn sets and got to meet with people and interview them and after a while she became also started to become friends with people and um, so we talked about everything for so long and we lived together and we were really like a team so with that scene we knew of course that it was going to be like really hard and important to uh, so that's the one scene that we prepared the most um, which actually made it in a way the easiest film, uh, scene to shoot and uh, Weirdly enough, like also for Sophia, like one of her favorite scenes to shoot. It might sound weird, but it can be very like therapeutic to experience something like that in a safe, like it, as a role play and um, go through those emotions, like when you're around people that you trust. Um, but um, of course, we had we didn't have an int intimacy coordinator because we shot that scene in 2018, so we didn't know about it at the time. But um, we had a lot of like Sofia had her best friend coming in from Sweden uh, to sit next to her the whole time. Joy, uh, Rivika plays Joy in the film, also with her sitting next to her the whole time. I had my best friend from Sweden, who's also a director, with me, and uh, we uh, we had this rule that everyone in the room were allowed to say cut at any time, so that it wasn't just on me to. Because I also had to push Sofia, like also for her sake, like she really wanted to give her best performance, and she wanted me to push her, uh, really, like for her to be able to give her best. And it's so it was like tough for me to like both push her, but at the same time be like super sensitive to all her signals and all, like that. It was a very like hard balance. So I, I felt I need help, and she also like she's in a position where. Like, it's going to be really tricky for her. Like, some, if she feels uncomfortable, it can be hard to say, like, as happens in the film, like, the pressure that you're in and you know everyone expects something of you and you've said, you signed up for it and you said you're going to do it. So um, I wanted everyone to be, like, very aware and looking out for her and if anyone felt, like, a vibe, oh, like, this is not good and to say cut. You have a better cherry tattoo. I do. When did you get that? Uh, we did it as a friendship tattoo uh, the day before we started shooting. So we we couldn't like I couldn't decide on her name. So it was just like a few days before we started, and and I knew like okay, yeah, now it's it's now or never. And then we decided a name, and she really loved it. And she um, we told her she could not change anything in her appearance. And usually she like is the person who like always have a new haircut and dye her hair and change her style all the time. So she was like freaking out a little bit about like that she had to look exactly the same for like a year uh, or more even like one and a half I think and um, so yeah so she asked me like can I please do like one last change and so she asked if she could make the tattoo she wanted to have it and then I um, yeah I thought that like that's really also like a fun thing for the character to have and I decided to do it with her as a like bonding thing like we're in this, in this together for life. 
That's amazing. I have a question about Bella's character because in the movie, she doesn't have a backstory. So there's like, you, you don't know why she's going to LA to do porn. I don't think any of the, like this not explained that why any of the characters are doing porn. Um, why did you make that conscious decision not to have those backstories? Uh, because I really did not want to focus on that at all, because that's usually like where the debate ends up, and you start to psychoanalyzing women mostly, and uh, try to like find a reason in women's behavior that there's something wrong with them for reacting to patriarchy, and like the film is not like, of course it's a portrait of the porn industry and it's dealing with the subject, but it's also for me like I'm using that. I want to say something about being a woman in a male-dominated world. I want to talk about certain power structures. And so it's also like an allegory of, of that. And you don't choose patriarchy. You deal with it. And, um, yeah, so I really wanted to, like, how do you say, stay away from that discussion and, like, focus on how does it work? What does it look like? What does it take? What, who, like, what does this world look like? And then, in a way, she can be like an empty canvas that you can also like fill with yourself or your own thoughts. Another, well, a few key themes in the film is controlling consent. And um, I read this book a few weeks ago by Catherine Angel called Tomorrow Sex, Be Good Again. And it's all about our current culture of consent and the way that consent kind of is, the burden of consent is placed on the woman. So, like, the burden of, like, good sexual interaction and knowing and vocalizing what you want and what you don't want to ensure, like, that sex is, like, mutually pleasurable and, like, non-coercive. And I wondered, it, was this something you similarly wanted to critique in the film? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like, it's, it's one, one thing, because I've been interviewing performers or people in the industry also all, through all these years, and... and uh, uh, something I usually like often hear is that like yeah but I'm always allowed to say stop at any time as soon as I say stop it's over like I have the right to say no and stop and uh, then I ask okay can you tell me about the last time you did say stop and then most of the time I get the answer that oh actually I've never done that because you know you don't want to cause any troubles you don't want to give a bad imp impression or uh, like then they might don't want to hire you again and it's better to like I just try to like uh, get it over with and so yeah that's like that's the one of the big problems with like also like the female gender role is that we're so like taught to please and to like never like to take care of um, how do you say um, feeling how do you say like people's feeling or like the to not cause like a bad vibe uh, and um, yeah um, so it's like a theoretical thing that it's always consensual but in reality uh, it's so much more complex and of, yeah so that was something I wanted to I really yeah, enjoyed that oh yeah, sorry consent has so many like layers and differences mm. and like nuances yeah I really enjoyed that because you really see that she's given this kind of illusion of of power in a way like they're like you can always say no and then she's like no and then they're like we won't pay you Do you know what I mean <laughs> so I just think it's really and it really shows you like even in, in any workspace there's there's an, a power imbalance and they they do give you this illusion of power to make it seem like they're you know the good guys when they're not one of the things that I really enjoyed were the clothes and so I, I was wondering because it sounds like a lot of it was very collaborative so I was wondering 
how much of the look of the of the girls and everyone, how much was that? Was that kind of your input or was it just everyone's input together? Particularly the shoes. The shoes were really good. Oh, yeah. I love the shoes. Um, many of them are actually Sophia's. Uh, or, like, she got to, like, take a bit of the budget and go and buy stripper heels, which was, like, oh, one wow. of her best days. It was fun because when we started the project, like, she could actually not walk in heels. So one thing of, like, getting into character was that she got, like, these, like, uh, erotic dance lessons and to, like, walk in heels and do all of that. And she just got, like obsessed about it and then she got like obsessed about heels and um so the one like my favorites are the one with the gun gun heel yeah um but no we have a, a like had an amazing um costume designer amanda wing lee and she actually won the swedish academy for best costume for this film wow so I'm very proud. that's amazing yeah um no but I, I, the costume of course uh, is and I'm, I'm so happy that they recognized that because the costume was so important in the story and the because it's a story about like, um, yeah, like uh, get into a character role and like roles you play and and the, like the surface, the appearance, and but also identity and all of that. And I knew from the beginning like I really wanted uh, the film to be colorful and uh, like eye candy because it's this idea of like you know that if you're gonna make a film about something hard, then it should be like gray or dark or gritty. But like, it's a very like like. Um, uh, as like working with the female gaze that I wanted to do, like female knowledge that something can be pink and glittery and still very painful, like there's not a contrast with those two. Um, and uh, that a lot of the uh, color play in the film came from her wardrobe as well. So, but yeah, Amanda did an amazing job with, with the costume. The costuming feels very LA. Do you guys agree? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Some of those fishnet dresses, I had those in my wardrobe back <laughs> in uh, 2010 as well. Um, I have another question. So critics have used a lot of adjectives to describe this film, but some of the, the main ones are like provocative and uncomfortable. How would you describe pleasure in like three words? Oh, three words. I only get three words. Yes. Um, oh, God. <laughs> True, strong... Human. There's some good words. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of focus of, like, the shocking parts or the painful parts. And I understand that a lot of the audience, that's what they get most affected by. And because I've been dealing with this subject for so long, and so I'm a bit numb to some of it. And, um, yeah, but for me, like, I see this mostly like as a comedy like or i mean i see it so much we've had so much fun making it and in the editing and we've been laughing and laughing and uh so there's so much humor and like fun things in it and warmth uh but i understand that maybe the audience don't always pick up on that usually when people see it a second time they see in a totally different film because mm, then yeah. like after you get rid of that shock thing and you, then you're able to like look at all the other things so that's something that I felt a little bit like sad about that when because I've I'm so like I've spent so much time there that I'm not I don't see these things the way the main audience do so when I try to tell something and show something what I'm saying is not really coming through because people see something else because they're not used to it um yeah this is this was my second time watching it and the second time felt very different from the first because the first you're sort of blown back by it but then the second time you get to know a lot more of the nuance and other stuff mm. i really enjoyed the friendship aspect of this film like i, I was saying this to gina because oh, we watched it together absolutely. and it's just so wonderful and like it kind of 
if anybody who's had a friendship breakup, you know what it's like to lose a friend. So, like, it was just so amazing to see that kind of connection between them all. So that's really great. Yeah, I wanted that to be, like, the the actual, like, love story of the film and the heart of the film. And for me, in a way, Joy is, like, she's, I guess, the number one reason why I, like, where my heart is and why I want to make this film because, uh, of course, like, it's, like, t- it's about power and, uh, like... But and Sophia or Bella, she like really comes from a very privileged background, and um, like patriarchy hits you much harder. Like the further down in the hierarchy you are, and um, like Bella is not always. She's always sometimes. I mean, in in one scene, very obviously the uh, the villain, but she's not always just like a victim of these structures. She's also part of them. Uh, And like, for example, in the racial scene, like I think that's very interesting, like this dynamic with like, they are putting two dicks in her ass, but she's also using her friend for like a racist stereotype to benefit from that in her career. Like, yeah, but it's like uh, very complex. Thank you, Ninja. Thank you, Ninja. Thank you, Misha. Thank you, Halima. Well done for such a great interview. Thank you, thank you. I enjoyed it very much. I was nervous, but it was really good. You did a very good job. I would also like to thank, while we were here, Something and Nothing for drinks and also Little Rick for drinks. We had some amazing stuff in the goodie bags, which you can find out on our socials. And again, thank you to Mubi for giving us the opportunity to screen the film and Second Home for hosting us. You should come join us at the next one. I don't know what it is. But yeah, that is the end of this episode. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. Thank you to our regular gals, Gina and Gina, Charlotte and Eden and Grace and Hattie and Olivia, of course, for editing this episode. And also thank you to Magdalena at Second Home for recording and tech on the evening. We will see you on Monday. Bye. Bye.